Welcome back to Don't Slam Your Podcast. This is your 2.4 host, J.D. Collins here. And now we reach the end of Series 7 of 2.4 Children reviews and nearing the last series. I thought it would be an opportunity to do a similar episode to the health and efficiency one, where we look at Andrew Marshall's other BBC sitcom, Dad, running from 25th of September 1997. While some sources say it actually ended on the 21st of December 1999, it actually was last shown sometime in December 2000. I can't quite find a date, unfortunately. And this was a very interesting series. It's his third sitcom for the BBC. It's a generation gap comedy starring George Cole and Kevin McNally as father and son and their generation gap classes. And it is another brilliantly underrated comedy by Andrew Marshall. It also stars our very own Julia Hills and Toby Ross Bryant as the young son in the series. Now, with the health and efficiency special, I asked Andrew some questions because there's not a lot out there. So I asked a load of questions. Now, for this episode, this one-off Dadcast, see what I did there? Because Dad, for some reason, was released in, on DVD in Australia, but not in the UK, and Kevin McNally and George Cole provided audio commentaries, and George Cole wrote an autobiography and a two-page recollection of his time on dad most of my questions that i would have for andrew were already out there so i thought i'd uh, give him a rest for this one-off episode but there was one question i did have and that will be explained in the review for this episode we are going into straight into the review which is just a summary similar to the health and efficiency episode about the whole of dad spoiler free we have the return of our very own chris and we will be discussing every aspect of the show, which is actually celebrating its 25th anniversary this September. So thank you for listening and enjoy this one-off Dadcast. Oh, and let me just say, hello. Well, Chris, I think this is probably the perfect opportunity to say hello. Hello. Now, we've become such good friends the last year, we sometimes send voice notes to each other. And just sometimes very randomly, one of us will just send to the other one, uh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. It really is kind of the defining kind of quote in the show because it's so easy to, it's a real impersonation to to kind of do. It shows how memorable his approach is. I think. Yeah, it's such a strong cast, isn't it? It's just, it's just criminal that it was finished after just two seasons because they're all so amazing in it. George Cole's amazing, Kevin McNally, obviously Julia Hills. They're all just brilliant in it, I think. Yeah, I mean, so let's go into the actual review. Obviously, the show is a generation gap comedy. I'd say its premise is a lot more about the, the relationship between a, an adult son and his elderly father. I'd say it's less about the whole family unit compared to 2.4 children, really. It's almost like... You know, in family sitcoms, there's always the in-laws who come in every once in a while, like in 2.4 with Beth, and they're just there for a one episode and cause havoc. Well, this is kind of the premise of the series, which I quite like. So what do you think of Dad? I think it's brilliant. I think it's just like 2.4 Children, it's very subversive. So you've got this familiar kind of sitcom setting, which you think, oh, this is just going to be a nice, cosy family sitcom. It's going to be nice. And next minute, you're going down a path which you didn't expect to be going to going down. So you've got like a model village where you've got little models being and their heads ripped off or killer hamsters or, you know, <laughs> going away, that episode where they go away on holiday in the first season. And then they go to that shop and there's like a skeleton pops out. So immediately it's kind of, it's, it's, it's that's what I like about it. That's what I like about Andrew Marshall's writing. You've got this 
this familiar sitcom territory and then it's very subversive it goes down paths which yeah. you don't expect it to go down so it's, it's incredibly dark incredibly real I think it's a really really good show and I think it's a sh- such a shame that it only made it to two seasons because it is so good I mean some of the moments with George Cole and Kevin McNally are just gold pure gold I completely agree I think when I think of a premise like this you could have this sort of premise in any any decade really they could have done something like this in the last 10 years and actually on paper it sounds a bit like something you see on ITV because ITV premises I think are the most they're both either very broad or very niche I think they're, 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 yeah. very, they're very extremes in terms of the premises and I feel like this could work for ITV or, or, or BBC in terms of the premise but as you say because it's Andrew writing it you know the characters are going to be much more developed there's going to be more realism and an emotional depth there that's that would just be lacking by yeah. virtually any other writer for being really honest here and what's interesting in George Cole's autobiography and it was t- briefly mentioned on the commentaries that him and Kevin and I did for the Australian DVD release of Dad because you know yeah <laughs> random of all of the fact that we have only three of 2.4 none of health and efficiency but dad's all available on dv oh but only in australia down under okay. yeah, isn't it and with a commentary as well that, which is really interesting this series premise was inspired by andrew's own relationship with his father i think even though i'm a lot younger than alan and my dad's a lot younger than Brian, and we've got nothing like that kind of relationship. Even then, I think when you're an adult and you've got a parent who's not elderly, but, you know, older, obviously parents are always older than their kids. What am I saying? But, you know, when, when you've got parents who are a bit, old, a bit getting a bit older, but not elderly, and you're kind of an adult, there is that kind of weird, they're always your parents, but they treat you like a grown-up, but then they all see like a child, and and then there's always that tension. Sometimes there's things that your parents do that annoy you a little bit. Again, not, thankfully, not massively, but I can see it in other people's relationships, and yeah. I definitely think it's a very realistic relationship in this series. It's an interesting one as well, because it kind of flips things on its head in a way, because you think the title's Dad, and you immediately think it's going to be George Coles' character is going to be the embarrassing one who's going to be embarrassing everybody. But actually, it flips on its head, because it's Kevin, Kevin McNally's character, which is the embarrassing dad of the actual show. Yeah. And obviously, the son, Vincent, is more in relation to George Coles' character, Brian. So it's like, it's interesting how he kind of flips it on its head, because you expect it to be one thing, and then it's something else. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, the character's... I think really ha- bring lots to the table in terms of it's, it's obviously the smallest cast I think in all of Andrew's shows you've got the four main characters and then very few well virtually no other recurring characters so with 2.4 obviously you have the four main characters in the Porter household then Rona then Christine yeah yeah whereas here it really is just Brian Alan Beryl and Vincent and I think yeah. it's a good point to go at time to go into the the characters and I think Brian is a really wonderful British sitcom character. He has, it really feels like he's kind of a monster, but he's a very nice monster. This is the thing I like yeah. about him. He, he, I tell you who he reminds me a little bit of. He reminds me a bit of Martin, which is Brian's character in ever-decreasing circles. Yes, he does, yeah. Very specific. Everything has to be in a certain order, very precise. But Martin is, even when he's being nice, he's being annoying. Whereas I think yeah. with Brian... To Alan, he's very annoying, but I think to other people, he's actually a very nice man. If you'd only met him once, you think he's a really pleasant individual. It's like the, you know, the episode when they go to the bank and the lady yeah. behind the, the bank, she's 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 a lovely man and everything. And times Alan meets people who think he's lovely and they're kind of like, well, what are you talking about? And I like that element of of his character. Sometimes it's 
it's always the idea that always the, the great sitcom cast have to be monsters. Or you have something like Geraldine and Vicar Dubuque is very nice and that brings comedy. Whereas here it's a good blend of the two. And, and George Cole, I think, has a real warmth about him. He is. He's like, he's he's like your granddad. He's like a granddad character. He is. He's so likeable. He's not like over the top or ridiculous or coarse for the sake of being coarse. He's, he's a very real, relatable like granddad, like you say. And that constant <laughs> that constant thorn in Alan's side. <laughs> he's an absolute pain, you know, and, and because he is oblivious. You know, he is that that thing which I think a lot of us growing up, you know, realise about your parents is that they're all human beings. And yeah. that sometimes they just say things that might annoy you or even upset you a little bit and they don't mean any harm. They're just completely oblivious because we're not perfect. Yeah. And, and it's a great relationship he's got with Alan as well because you've got this kind of relationship where he is irritating and winding Alan up. Everything he does is irritates Alan. But then underneath it all, you can see how much Alan loves him and how they both love each other. And there's a, there's a tenderness there to the relationship as well as that spikiness. Definitely. I mean, the thing about Brian as well, and, and one of the things that brought him and Alan closer together in, in the more recent years, is that Alan has a, Brian sorry, has a lot of health problems, which is very realistic in terms of we all get older, we all live our lives, and eventually our bodies stop working like they used to, and we all pay the price of good living sometimes. That's the, that's the harsh reality of getting older. You can live longer, but you might not live as much of a quality life. But I think what's interesting is the way they explore his health issues. I think what's more interesting that Alan is probably more of a hypochondriac than Brian. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's, if you think about it, it's always the people who have, it's, it's, because in Brian has the health problems, he's probably the most, you know, he's the more, he can shows, he shows moments of vulnerability, but he's also the more um, realistic one. And, and yeah. sort of says everything will be fine. Brian's quite chill. Brian's quite chill. We can learn a lot from Brian. He's like, you know, don't worry. It won't get you anywhere worrying. You know, it's, it could take a good leaf out of his butt. Whereas Alan is constantly stressed about everything around him. He's just winding him up. His job, his dad, just the kids on the street, everything winds up Alan, whereas Brian just doesn't care. <laughs> but I think, I think it's a work and it's a great double act because as, as you ever say, a good double act is two, it's got to be two complete opposites. And I think yeah. Kevin McNally really is the right person for this role because any other actor could have made Alan completely unlikable. Whereas yeah. I think he he does have enough moments to calm down and and he's not just... Other sitcoms, like if you think of someone like, I don't know, uh, Robert Lindsay's character in My Family, Ben Port, Ben Harper, he's a lot more... I think he said Ben Porter then. Ben Harper. He's, a, yeah. he's more... Um, he's very one note all yeah. the time. Whereas yeah. Alan has those moments where he's he's kind of more calm and especially with Beryl, he's got she kind of keeps him, he tries to keep him calm. Doesn't always work, but there are moments where they do sort of she just tries to understand him more and he tries to open up a little bit more about how he's yeah. feeling, which I think is very um again, like I always say with 2.4, it, it's quite groundbreaking in lots of ways that you see men talking about how they feel which is not what men do, certainly in the 90s. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because obviously Alan's the one who gets emotional. He's the one that breaks down in tears. He's the one that's afraid of everything. It's not Julia Hills' character as the mother. No. It's very much him. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting how a lot of the things on this, which you, you go into and you expect one thing, get something different. I think that's another problem though, isn't it? I think a lot of with like um, family sitcoms, they get written off thinking, oh, it's just another family sitcom. But um, that's one of the, the problems of 
kind of a mainstream sitcom is that it gets written off about people understanding the depths to it like people think one foot in the grave oh it's just a grumpy man or two pointful children oh it's just a family this is another family sitcom but if you sit down and take time to watch it it's actually in the hands of Andrew Marshall it's very subversive and different than or David Renwick in one foot in the grave yeah completely and Kevin McNally is is it's really interesting seeing him in this because he will always be Pirates of the Caribbean for me just you know I've never seen it actually <laughs> never seen you've, Pirates ne- of the Caribbean. you've never seen Pirates of the Caribbean okay the first one's amazing the yeah. rest are really not very good but you've yeah, never seen Pirates of the Caribbean you know I, I literally only know him for this <laughs> that sounds sad I am <laughs> honestly the, fir- the first one is brilliant and then the sequels are great wow. when you're about 11 and 12 and then you watch them years later and I'm like nah but the first one is still holds up really well yeah. it's 20 years old next year which makes me feel really old but wow. I'll tell you a weird 2.4 connection with Kevin two years before before he did Dad, he toured the UK in the Terry Johnson play Dead Funny with Belinda Lang. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Which is a really funny little um, Easter egg there. And Beryl, it's so nice to see Julia in another role. It's interesting. At first, it was really weird because it was seeing her look the same as Bill Porter without the hairstyle and stuff. Yeah. It was like it took me a bit of it messed in the head at first when I first watched it. Obviously, by this stage, Two Point Four Children was much later on, and obviously, Julie, um, Bill Porter had a much longer hair. But it looks very similar to season one of Bill Porter's hair of Two Point Four Children. So it took me a while to kind of mess with the brain slightly at first. She reminds me and look a bit of Tamsin Gregg's character in uh, Friday Night Dinner. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I- you mean. I definitely see her as the peacemaker in the house. She's the one who's trying to make Alan see sense and not take it for granted Brian's presence because he's not always going to be there. She's also very embarrassed by Alan's antics all the time. She is... I think the thing about her is she, I think in another sitcom, again, it's always comparing to other sitcoms because you always, you've got to try and prove why dad holds up better than other shows. Yeah. I think in another sitcom, a Beryl's character would be a lot more of a nothing character. I think had there been another series, I would have loved to have learned more about her family. I think that would have been interesting to see how they yeah. interact with Alan and, and Brian, especially. But I think yeah. there's enough of her traits and she's very fun loving she's a very quirky character like i love the one where her and vincent play playstation games yeah <laughs> you know, she's just got a real she's got violent a violent streak <laughs> yeah she has got a violent streak and i think she's just a very amusing character and and it is nice to see julia play something that's a little bit more meaty meat uh, meaty but i was also i was gonna say more homely yeah in, I know in a mean, way because yeah. like even in um who dares wins the sketch shows from the 80s she plays so many different kind of roles which shows a, a range but obviously yeah. there are only sketches so it's only snapshots 2.4 rona's given a lot of depth and for, for a character who would just yeah. be the, the promiscuous neighbor in, in in other shows whereas here it's nice to see her in a, in a mumsy kind of role and, yeah. and and the interesting thing i said this on in the book in george cole's book and um the commentaries that the bbc weren't initially keen on having her in the show because she was in uh-huh. 2.4 which i kind of don't get because gary was in health and efficiency so i don't see what they why they had a problem with with julie going into dad yeah i mean I, I mean i don't know if they were on with, with the broadcast at the same time i don't know if they're on at the same time i guess that might be strange if you see 2.4 children rona and then see this on the like the next night but i'm guessing they weren't like close together anyway were they no i mean at this point so um not not none of the show, the three shows were so i think health efficiency was on like after 2.4 children i mean if 2.4 was on in the autumn health and issues on in the winter in this case actually uh dad was shown in the autumn of 97 series series one series eight of 2.4 shown in the winter of 98 and then dad came series two came out in the 
winter of 99 and then 2.4 series 8 came out in the autumn of 99 so there was yeah, quite so a lot of gaps there's plenty of gaps i mean i don't say it'd be weird if kind of you have two she's like playing a different character but it's because there's like a space in between it can't be an issue but i, I think it was like they had the reservations but then when she went for like an, an audition they soon thought oh yeah she'd be great for the part didn't they yeah. that, that's when they, she, they were sold on it yeah and i know that and i but i just to say with the wig i know the wig was done to kind of differentiate the character not that i'm sure that the audience could <laughs> i'm sure the audience are intelligent enough to tell the difference that between an actor in different roles but i do think it makes her look different though and i, I think her, her, her dress sense is more kind of mumsy and she is yeah. um she's not quite White Bill, I'd say she's more, she's nearer like the kind of typical sitcom mother, probably more so than Bill, but she's got enough about her that she's not just a bit of a wet drip, to be honest, thankfully. Yeah. She's a bit more interesting. Um, uh, maybe even a slightly Margaret vibe, I don't know, from one foot. I've got that slight vibe, that just, a, just only very slightly, Margaret. when she's getting frustrated and angry with Alan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I've always thought Margaret or even Anne in um, Ever Decrees in Circles, Penelope uh, Wilton's character, it's very easy to make a character as like Alan, Martin, Victor Meldrew and Brian, you know, the big kind of characters, but the main characters. But side characters, you've, you've got some, especially when they're sort of, they're, they're ones who are in the firing line of the main character's faults and vices very hard sometimes to it's very easy sorry to make some of those characters very empty and one-dimensional yeah. and i think yeah. the writing helps and i think as i say i think i think we get to know beryl enough in the first two series that it's more of an interesting character but julia has that kind of it, it's a, it's just an energy that yeah. goes into that kind of role I, do you know who i'd also another example is richard bucket yes yeah. i think that is the That's ultimate it. sort of it's it's uh, what's the word it's the ultimate wife or husband character who's the secondary to the main character who's basically the one who who reacts to the main character and it's very easy to make characters on paper seem very dull he's probably on yeah. paper very dull but Clive Swift does a good job of, of bringing some Fantastic. life to it so yeah I, I would say um you know Beryl I, I really think is a, is, a, is a lovely character um and I think I think what Andrew Marshall does really well is he, he never just makes them a foil for no. the other characters he always gives them a bit more depth, a bit more meat to the bones. There's always a bit more of a complexity to each of his characters. They're more rounded than just kind of a simple comic foil, which I think is always great. Yeah, I, I definitely, I completely agree. Then we get to Vincent, who is their son. Oh my God, he's so. Uh, do you know? I remember we we shy watched. This I've got a confession with Vincent. Sorry. <laughs> You've got a confession. Yeah, I just think with Vincent, um, my confession is I really hated him at the start. He was just so irritating. Like his voice and his mannerisms. And he was, so I wasn't a fan to start. But as the series progressed, he just seemed to get more. I seemed to warm to him more the, the, the longer it went. And I think had we gone to like a season three, I think I would have liked him a lot more as well. Because like all sitcoms, they're always finding the feet in season one. Actors trying to work out how to play the, the, the roles and stuff. And I think that's a classic case with Vincent, like the, the son. Like the more he progressed by the end of like season two, I thought I was actually really cool character i think it's just kind of getting the tone right into it yeah absolutely he's paid by an actor called toby ross bryant and I, I agree with what you say in the in the he's almost a more i think while i like about him in comparison to say jenny and david porter is he is a lot more of a grumpy boy than yeah. david is i mean he's less volatile than jenny but jenny's quite i think a proper moody teenage girl whereas yeah. vincent's much more like a, a real annoyed grumpy teenage boy i mean the, the first episode everything he describes as being all very very dad that's such a oh, God, dad yeah. thing that really made say. me cringe yeah that cringe that bit <laughs> and but it's it is such a a thing though of that 
generation, as I always say, I think kids are always going to be embarrassed by their parents, but it seems a real 90s thing to be embarrassed by things that your parents like more so than now. I mean, like uh, they say, Top of the Pops is very dud, even though Top of the Pops (laughs) was still doing quite well back in 1997. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, I think, as you say, he does definitely grow and and become a, a, a less irritating character. I would love to imagine if he was Bill Porter's son, she would have slapped him into some yeah yeah no <laughs> he wouldn't have lasted five seconds in the porter household no, no chance not not at all i think it would have definitely been more interesting as i say we had a third series um to have seen how him and alan's relationship developed i think it would have been nice to have seen it almost like a parallel because there are moments where we do sort of see sort of parallels between him and and Brian and Alan's relationship but I think I'd like to see more of that had yeah. the series been made you know had he gone off to university or had he stayed at home because he'd been he was 18 I think in this series or the, you know by the end of the show he's he's an adult so seeing that go more would have interest him yeah it's interesting with dad because obviously there's only two seasons but you can see how it is progressing quite significantly yeah. so from season one to two it is growing like the characters are all kind of fitting and slotting together even more in season two it just feels more more and more polished seems to be getting better and better as it goes along so i think with season three we would have seen like another kind of curve it taking to a next level because i do think like at the start you had alan and obviously vincent they're just kind of at each other's throats or him just being embarrassed whereas by the end of season two you had a lot more softer moments between the two where they weren't just at each other's throats but you saw that kind of more realistic dynamic between them so i think had the season gone to three and four you would have seen a lot more kind of much more polished kind of characters really as they kind of grew and grew definitely because if you think about the pilot episode as i say i want to try and keep this as spoiler free as possible but the very first scene is a flashback to the 1970s when um Alan's at a party and Brian basically picks him up in his car and he's and Alan's very embarrassed by it and everything you know, I like the fact that he's got polo mints in the car and a Petula Clark cassette <laughs> tape. And I think what's interesting is we 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 see we, a development in how, why Brian's the way he is. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail, but in that first episode, you really get a sense of, very similar to what I say about what makes the first 2.4 episode so good, that you see Jenny and Bill at each other's throats at the beginning, and then by the end of the first episode, there's already uh, signs of, of a real warm relationship. In the first episode of of Dad, you can under you can sort of see Alan's embarrassment, but then actually Brian get, says something that kind of doesn't explain. He doesn't know he's actually explained to Alan why he's the way he is. But Brian, you understand his mentality, and it's a. I think it's something a lot of Brian's generation could recognise. I think I can definitely see my grandparents' generation in him and the things he said his interests his outlook on life that kind of wartime or or, or people who are who have who were born so before the war either old enough to remember the war or certainly the years after the war and, and how it, it forms people's mentality it, I, I definitely love the way Andrew explores the idea of the elderly you know the yeah. way we self so we're, obviously we did the episode vertigo and seeing how Aunt Belle is sort of stuck in that flat in the tower block compared to Bet and about not letting people sort of live in squalor or, or not just let people be on their own i don't know it's a i like the way and and obviously we, we said it as well with one from the grave being about an old man who's made to go on retirement the way that he explores andrew explores these themes is really um timely always will be i think, I think andrew's really really good at writing really funny elderly characters because yes. like bet is absolutely hilarious <laughs> obviously the unhinged 
and the sister in Vertigo, absolutely fantastic. And obviously with George Cole's character, really, really funny as well. So yeah. he's really nailed, really nails these really funny elderly characters without them being like, you know, too obvious. I just think he's really good at that. One of the the the, the things I love most about uh, Dad episode titles is that there's a pun in each episode with the word dad and I just think yeah. it's a really nice kind of twist on the idea because I know with um, health and efficiency and 2.4 children there's a lot of inspirations from film titles and, and and lyrics from songs but in in dad to give example so the first series there's dadism there's dad mestic dad sipplin haberdaddery which is my favorite one I think it's fantastic dadaholic dad car Dadcoholic, Holidad. Series two, there's Transcendatal, Dadmocracy, Reproduction, Securidad, Dad's Arsenal, then Dad Calm, then the Christmas special um, was called, well, it's had a few titles. There's Christmas with Dad, there's Nemesis, which was, I think, the, the, the title they gave afterwards, um, but the original title was Felice Navidad. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I mean, because yeah. that's not that's not adding well. the name. Yeah, that's not adding the a dad to the name. It's already the name of the song. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've heard as well because that was a bit too obscure. That's why they got rid of it, weren't it? That's why they had to drop that title. What Wikipedia like says, that. and I'm a bit kind of like, well, Felice Navidad. Everyone knows that now. It's a song that everybody yeah. knows. I don't. I, it would have. It was. If it's if it's not obscure now, it would be certainly would not obscure then. I don't think. Yeah. It seems strange with the Christmas special because that's the only title when it was Nemesis, when they changed it to Nemesis, that's the only kind of episode that hasn't got a, a pun. The yeah. title's not like a dad pun. So yeah. I wonder if Andrew Marshall made to change it at the end or something. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a shame in a sense because I, I think Fleet Hour Dad's very, uh, uh, is accurate for the theme of the episode but one of the things yeah. i love about dad is very similar to 2.4 in lots of ways although i think there is some big difference some some significant differences in that it has very realistic moments and, and moments mm-hmm. that you really can recognize in any family life but then there is i think i think it's a lot more slapstick than 2.4 2.4 yeah, has farcical moments i would say at times dad goes much much further into fast slapstick territory i really like the slapstick in dad i have to say because it feels very naturalistic in terms of it's always the idea of it's all character driven it's all it's never forced into the story it's never just it's never shoehorned or or or, um, what's the word um i'm trying to think of the word not what's another word for forced (laughs) Um, forced (laughs) forced um rammed it, it, it doesn't feel contrived uh, contrived that's the, exactly the word it's not it didn't, doesn't feel contrived it feels like it's very tightly plotted i think yeah it yeah it takes it takes a lot of boxes dad because obviously it's very slapstick at occasions it's very real on other occasions sometimes it sits as a family sitcom sometimes it's quite dark sometimes you've got alfred hitchcock's music piping up so it's, it's kind of a bit of a mix of everything really isn't it it's it's an, it's, it's an unusual unusual strange strange sitcom and i think that's why i like it because it's got very many different layers you haven't just got one slapstick thing like mrs brown's boys you've got slapstick but then you've got darkness then you've got lightness it's just a it's a mixture of all these different bits and bobs and it's a really interesting and also underrated sitcom as well it is and not every episode is the same as what i like you don't have the same kind of thing happening all the time really you feel like some episodes they're more outlandish than others which i quite enjoy because again with 2.4 you never quite know what you're expecting from one episode to the next and again would have been nice to explore more but the one thing i particularly like is the emotional moments yeah, definitely. Uh, there, there's moments in it where sometimes it is very serious, 
what happens or the potential of what might happen serious. But then there are moments, there's an, an episode where it's actually about nostalgia. So yeah. I'll give an example is they go on holiday and Alan sort of looks back on his ho- child holidays being very boring. They went to these grim places and stuff. But then he actually has a memory of, of it through home videos. And it's just yeah. really, and you can see the emotion of it. I mean, Kevin's brilliant in it because he really, as, as with as with any, you know, for me, good sitcom is if you can give actors the material to show off their comedic talents but also show off their brilliant as dramatic actors as well and, and it's real life and it tugs at the heartstrings yeah it's really interesting because obviously in the end of season one and the end of season two in both seasons of dad kevin's character alan breaks down in tears which i think is really brave you know you just got the main character there just crying by himself which i think is a really brave thing to do in a sitcom and i think andrew marshall said i think kevin said that andrew marshall said sometimes you have to touch the audience in that way sometimes it's it's good to do or important or something along those lines and i think it's just that's why i admire the sitcom because it's just not just jokes it's kind of showing this guy generally upset and breaking down and i think kevin was quite initially a bit unsure if, it, if he could get away with that, you know, just, just breaking down to tears when he did the commentary on the DVD. Yeah. Um, Andrew was quite reassured that, you know, it would work. And I think it does. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing I get a vibe from the commentaries and interviewed Julia last year, and we, we touched on dad, but also um, whenever someone mentions that on Twitter and if Kevin replies or Julia there's a general love for the show that they all they all seem to really enjoy making it and, and George Cole said he enjoyed making it as well and all, all seemed disappointed that it didn't come back because yeah. I think it it's um it, they definitely seem like a good unit it's a good chemistry yeah it's a shame isn't it because I think I think they were expecting like a third season um and again according to the DVD commentary it was all about potential regime changes at the BBC which might have resulted in it being somehow lost um and then George Cole said it was down to potentially focus groups yeah uh, which was a result for it being cancelled or something like that but a lot of regime change at the top of the BBC at the time which resulted in it getting slipping down the cracks really which I think is a real shame because you know there's a lot of good there's a lot of there's far you know, there's bad sitcoms out there that get five six seven seasons and then you get something like this which is really well crafted and quite subversive and it, it you know it's, it's a crying shame when i watch it you know i'm howling at some of the the moments and the chemistry between yeah. george cole and kevin mcnally and it's just such a shame you're thinking you know the, the amount of ideas and the imagination marshall brings to his plots and stuff the, the way it, the direction it could have gone with three four another three seasons you know he could have gone in all kinds of directions i think and uh, we would have really seen some good stuff had they let it continue it's just like a criminal shame that they just it just didn't go to a third season even just four seasons you know what I mean (laughs) I know I mean I think of the three shows of Andrew's shows of the 90s this 2.4 and health and efficiency it seems like none of them that the endings were forced upon each production for a variety of reasons I mean 2.4 obviously it happened because of Gary's death but in one way, you think eight series is very hot, is very good. It would have been great to have seen more, but that's a really solid run and, and a consistent run. Health yeah. and efficiency, you know, I think Andrew wanted another series, but again, I still think that second, the two series they made were, were particularly good quality. And I think the final episodes, actually, both 2.4 and Health Fishy's final episodes, I think are really solid ways out yeah. even though they weren't designed to be dad's is the one that stings the most for me because like you I, I was i've seen it a couple of times now and watching it again it's leading up to recording this i just thought you i usually say it, it it really hits its stride and i'm liking the characters and i just want to see more and the annoying thing is not repeated 
Yeah, it just feels like you get into the end of season two and you think it's it's really just getting it, it's it's really gathering pace now. It's really getting its legs up, and then they just cut it dead. It's like just there's just some pure gold moments, like with the house move, and then in yes. making all those stickers for different rooms in the house: the living room, bathroom, dining room. Oh. Uh, the orange stickers are for the dining rooms. Like these are any orange stickers. We haven't got a dining room. It's just yeah just some just there's some absolute gold moments in it you're thinking this is just perfectly delivered perfectly executed it's like just I perfectly said, written. it's like i said to simon who who did the health and efficiency episode with you think there's so many sitcoms throughout the whole of tv history that have one or two series that don't ever see the light of day again and you can kind of see why you only have to see clips yeah. of them and you get why but when you see something like dad or and health and efficiency you just think these are better than 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 a lot of sitcoms yeah. At the time yeah. and now, why? Firstly, it's a shame that they were, it's, it's a sin that they were cancelled so quickly. But why are they not yeah. discussed again? Or Because you think the thing people always go on about is, oh, you know, everyone, the people have a, a chip on the shoulder about uh, studio sitcoms. They're so unrealistic. They, they, they just laugh about, knock about humour. But then you have these sitcoms that do have depth, that have serious moments, that have well-crafted yeah scripts and performances and you think well why is that not why is no one talking about it, it, it I, I get i could rant about this all day but you know it, it's 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 hard to know to think about dad not coming back again yeah it does frustrate me in a way because i think you know people seem to think that if you put um, a laughter track on something it's immediately broad or unfunny or yeah. lacks depth but you can have a laughter track on something and it can have depth as well you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other it, it, because i I watched loads of sitcoms like Laughter Tracks, which I really um, love. I'm just getting to mother, Motherland, Motherhood, Motherland. Motherland <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm loving that. But but equally, I also enjoy studio-based sitcoms as well. Yeah. I enjoy the Laughter Track on on you know things like this, and which has got equal depth and stuff. But I think people just write studio sitcoms off and lump them in with the rest that aren't very good. When you get these gems like this, which has got depth and is a studio sitcom at the same time, I just think it's a shame. Particularly now, you've got this idea that. You know, a laughter track is old fashioned or broad and you, you only get new sitcoms without a laughter track. And it's a shame you don't get sitcoms like this yeah. and also get sitcoms which are more niche without a laughter track as well. But I think you need both, really. And you don't really get both anymore, which I think is a shame. I think if you, if you do get a sitcom now with a laughter track on, it is broad and rubbish and it lacks the depth and stuff that this has got and the credibility this has got. It's a real shame that you can't have that mix of laughter track and depth like you've got here anymore no. and i think i think a lot of it is budget i think a lot of people you know things are rushed through production wise and stuff and there's, there's a lot of stuff connected to that i don't think people have the time and the budget now just to kind of create a good quality sort of studio-based sitcom no definitely they don't do rehearsals like they used to which i think yeah. is that you can tell rehearsals in these studio sitcoms because they flow so beautifully in oh, every well. way as i said in the introduction to this episode um because of kevin and george's commentaries i felt like i had a lot of questions already answered but i did ask andrew marshall about the the reason behind the cancellation or what was really the reason and i think there's a few factors um so firstly the christmas special was due to be aired on in december of 1999 just before christmas uh, it was meant to be a 45 minute episode, but it was in the end made to, he was made to cut it down to 30 minutes with the script. And then before the transmission, there was a minor accident at, uh, with a plane craft where an engine uh, fell off a plane, very similar to what happens in the episode. So they decided to delay the, the showing of the episode by a year. So it was eventually shown in December 19, in December 2000. Oh. Bear, in, bear in mind that apparently no one was actually hurt in this accident. It was like, I don't know why they, why anyone was overcautious about something, you know, happening in the series. 
so then um so that but then the problem was because there'd been nearly two years since the last series of daddy people just sort of forgot about it which is kind of inevitable yeah. really things don't tv's fast moving yeah and, and of course at the time then you've got like sky and everything and satellite dishes going up everywhere so yeah and then but then the other thing you mentioned was um that at the time uh what the, the the decision to whether to keep shows going or not was based on a combination of, of critics ratings and and what controllers thought and at this point um the the controller was peter salmon who felt that dad was falling kind of short in the ratings threshold so they agreed to do a christmas special to try and sort of boost it so as i say the plan was to do a 45 minute episode that that was then cut down to 30 minutes even though it was already written, so Andrew had to cut the whole episode down. Steve Tompkins, Stephen Tompkinson was a guest star in it, which I always had a Mandela effect of this episode. I always thought, from when I've seen it before until the recent rewatch, that that the character that Stephen Tompkinson plays was Vincent's brother, but it's just a friend of his. I always thought it was his brother. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they had Stephen Tompkinson, who was famous at the time for um, Ballycus Angel, uh, Brastaff, Drop the Dead Donkey. So he was quite a big name at this point. And they had a guest appearance by Rolf Harris, which probably means this episode can't be. <laughs> what is it with old men and that bloody song, um, Three Little Boys Had Three Little Toys? My granddad loves it. And then Brian loves it as well. I, I just don't get it at all. It's just ominous now, isn't it? <laughs> Then um, apparently it's meant to be uh, it was meant to be Val Dunican, who was a famous singer. But as he said, as Andrew said, the the year delay meant that the show was forgotten about. It then got a really bad transmission slot for the Christmas special, um, and then that just ended the series really. But what makes no sense? What I find quite hard, what kind of makes no sense to me really, is the ratings. I'm surprised that that controller thought the ratings were bad because, like I said last um, on the Health Officially episode, there was a guy on Twitter who's not around now on Twitter, who had all the broadcast magazines. So I got all the 2.4 children ratings from the first broadcast, the health and efficiency average ratings, and he got me all the ratings for Dad, every episode and the averages. So the first series of Dad averaged 6.79 million viewers, and then the second season of Dad averaged 6.73 million viewers. At the time, that was those ratings were quite good. That was kind of the ratings 2.4 was getting. But when you look at the average between two series, 6.79 for one 6.73 for the next that's no drop that's a re that's quite consistent ratings i'd say i'm really into it yeah it is a shame um because i think if that was on now it would be really really um more successful i'd say definitely i mean watching it back now because i'm so lucky that i got hold of the dvds which uh, by the way folks uh, on the internet they're australian released dvds so go and grab them dad season one and season two because they're amazing aren't they john you've got the commentaries on there and everything i do and i don't um, i i, I spent a, a more money than i would normally spend on other things but i thought i've got to get these now <laughs> before they don't before they disappear <laughs> they're, ex they're expensive but they're worth it and i guess we're lucky in a way that we managed to get hold of them because otherwise we'd never see the light of day again this this show so at least they are out there in some form, but uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just, it, it does make no sense that they cancelled it because of ratings. I mean, that drop was so small. And I think if the, had it have gone on, you can tell with season two, it's growing and growing and growing. I think season three would be stronger than season two, you yeah. know, because even you look at 2.4 children, you know, it's, you know, everyone knows that, you know, season three, season four, you know, there's probably a widely, you know, agreement that they're better than season one and two. Yeah. Simple as that. I think that's the same for a lot of sitcoms, you know, it takes a while to get going. And I think dad was just getting going and then they cut it off, which is, I think is a shame. But nevertheless, two absolutely solid seasons, which I really, really enjoyed. And absolutely. some absolutely amazing moments. <laughs> and what's your favourite episode? Oh, favourite episode. That is a tricky one. There's so many, so many good ones. Um, I 
probably have to say I do like Holly Dad. I like Holly Dad because I like seeing Kevin McNally burst into tears. Um, and I just think that's fantastic. But there's there's so many good episodes. Dadaholic is another favourite of mine because again, I like the Hitchcock, yeah, the whole Hitchcock element to it where using the Hitchcock and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of the Christmas special. I won't lie. I didn't really enjoy the Christmas special quite as much. But um, yeah, I think Holly Dad is probably my favourite. like that. Mine's Secure Dad. Secure Dad's great, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's so... Um, that's probably yeah. the darkest episode, isn't it? It's it's a model village that Brian has to protect, and then like there's there's burglars and 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 um, thugs in the area who are attacking people in real life, and then they attack these model little people in this village. It's it's just I think if there's ever a sitcom episode that just speaks to me on such a, a level, spiritual, emotional human every bizarre just every level it's that episode because it just it, it just it just grabbed my imagination when i watched it for the first time i was like what this is brilliant yeah. how how andrew, how good is this it yeah. creates so many good plots andrew marshall so it's so such an inventive writer absolutely no. fantastic and i like and the, the thing, endings as well yeah and things with dad as well i was watching it and it's not dated at all it's like no. not a it, it feels like it feels like it was made yesterday. That's a strange thing because the, the the gag the gag rate is so quick. There's so many kind of jokes and stuff in it, yeah. and it's so fast paced and moving. It, it feels very very modern, yeah. um, especially with season two when they change the title sequence and the theme tune. It, it brings it up to this very contemporary feel. And you know, watching it back now, it feels it doesn't feel ninety seven. It feels twenty seventeen. Perfectly going into the the next part was the open. I was going to mention about the both the opening credits and the theme tune. So the opening credit almost have it's it's animated. It's it, it almost looks like the Simpsons. So the characters yeah. are all animated and they've all got yellow skin and um, it sort of de- it depicts the, the dynamics really well. Um, and normally some of these kind of sitcoms can be quite cheesy, but I don't think I don't I think it just it doesn't get too cheesy really in this series. I feel like it's it's just the, the credits are kind of fun, but well, well made enough to not look naff which I like. Yeah, I think the credits are kind of, in a way, poking fun at themselves in a way. Yes. It's meant to be over the top a bit silly. It's like, oh, look how stupid this is. It, it's not, it's not, you know, I think it's purposely done in a certain way and it's really good. Although I do prefer the theme tune of season two. Go, Dad, go, Dad, go. I think it's much better. I was going <laughs> to just ask you that question in the next one because there were two um, theme tunes. The first series was... Um, Tijuana Taxi by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Band. And now everyone will know it when you hear it. It's and the problem is, I know the theme too well. It's it's known in adverts. It's it's quite an iconic piece of music. Whereas Go Daddy O is by a California swing revival band called Big Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Never heard of them in my life, but it's so perfect. And I think I prefer the second theme tune as well. But I feel like that the two theme tunes work well for the sh- the series that they're in. So the first series yeah. is a little feels a little bit more quainter. It's a, not quainter. Yeah. I feel series two is a bit more kind of punchy, whereas series one sort of 
a bit more calmer, I'd say. And I think yeah. the theme tunes reflect that well. But I do prefer Go Daddy O. And I love the way at the end of the um, opening credits, second series, before they go into the scene, you have George Cole's character go, hello. Yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? How they've kind of read and recognised like a, a catchphrase, which probably was accident in the yeah. first season, but it's just perfect. And they thought, hang on, we picked up on this. We can put that in. And yeah. again, that would just, that would have been, that would have been such an iconic catchphrase had it gone to more seasons. Yeah. Because everyone would be going, hello. And everyone would know what you mean. It's yeah. like, oh, it's, it's the George Cole character. So I, th- I think, I think. That would have been up there with I don't believe it had it have gone on for yeah. the few reasons. But you know, it's interesting because people who I'd say this is probably better known than health and efficiency in terms of if people remember, if I mentioned dad, people always say, oh, wasn't it the one where George Cole goes, hello? Yeah. They remember it. it. Do you know what's surprising, right? My, my friend remembered this series. It's never been repeated, I don't think, on TV, has it? No. Or at least not very much. And yeah, obviously in DVD, it's only in Australia. And yeah, I, I did like a, a random screenshot as I was watching the DVD, the Australian DVD. And it's like, what's this then? I thought he's never going to get it. And straight away, dad, you like, recognise it straight away. There you go. And it is, I think. And it's a credit to the writing and the actors and the, the characters that are so memorable that even after two seasons, people do remember it and... That's why it's a it's a hit. It's a hit, really. It could have been a hit if they let it go on. I think another thing I love about it, again, one of the things I love about uh, the sitcom, serious sitcoms of the 90s, was the sets always looked more realistic than you have now. I love yes. houses. Now, I personally prefer the first house. I feel like it's a particularly realistic house in that yeah. when you go to their suburbs, street you feel like the inside of the house is exactly what it would look like when you because yeah. the housing is, is quite a, a unique house look but apparently the reason they changed it to the second house is because the directors wanted an easier house to shoot in now i can totally see what they mean because it's all on one surface the, the yeah. second house whereas this the first one is very similar to the 2.4 house and there's lots of exits and little corners and, and little walls and stuff which i i love those details but i can imagine it's not easy to film in i also love brian's shed yes and like apparently, that's kevin, apparently that was kevin minnelli's favorite scenes in the shed as well that was his favorite set apparently the shed scenes but yeah it's hilarious when he's there in the shed and randomly brings out these massive guns and stuff just so casually and blase yeah. about and destroying kevin's uh, shirt and turning it bright green and uh, that's coming along fine then <laughs> just brilliant and then like we did with health and efficiencies episode i'm going to list a few familiar faces so one of the things I enjoy about seeing all these productions, both Andrew Marshall and Dave Bramwick shows, is you do recognise people who, who kind of go between the shows. So in the episode when Alan has his ears syringed in the surgery, the old man at the desk is actually Richard Davis, who was the charity shop volunteer in When Saturday Comes, who flirts with Bill. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. He's the one who says, I've got my string vest on today. <laughs> Always have to use an example for that. Oh, he was in, he was in, in the grave, weren't he, as well? Season three, episode one. Yeah. yeah, he's and then uh, Mr. Nigel, who was the guy in the uh, clothing shop. He's Barry Howard, who was Barry Stewart Hargreaves in Heidi High, Holy Ho. He's a very "Are you being served?" vibe, doesn't he? I think. <laughs> yes, I get a vibe. Yeah. He was a bit. I get a vibe. He was very typecast in playing the kind of camp mincy old man i yes. don't even think he was gay in real life as well bless him so he was playing all these characters <laughs> you know your favorite episode uh, you know episode that you love dad aholic dad coholic yeah. i always think it's dad aholic it's dad coholic oh is it um, okay the lady who plays the police officer with red hair is vicky pepperdine now she's done a lot of work since then she was in she's in a lot of julia davis 
shows. She was in camping. She was also in, oh, was she in recently? She was also in a show years ago called Up the Women, which was a comedy set about the suffragettes that Jessica Stevenson wrote for BBC Four. All right, okay. It's very good. I mean, I really like it a lot. But she's been in so many other things. She's been in Green Wing, Nighty Nights, I'm Alan Partridge. She was in something else. I can't quite remember. Something more recent. She was in The Windsors as Princess Anne, Sally Forever. Yeah, she's she's really good. And she's also in Getting On. I think, yeah, she was in Getting On with Joe Brand. So she's, she's a, she, I think this was her early role. And then in series two, we see the other person from the charity shop in When Saturday Comes, uh, Georgina Beer, the old lady. She's in it as well. Oh, then, right. Just as a bystander. Yeah. Because she was in One Foot in the Rave as well, I read. And another good thing in, in the very first episode of season two, the actual for sale signs says Renwick's on it. Yeah. Which is obviously, I know Mark too, David Renwick, his former writing partner for Andrew Martin. I love it. And I, I also love the production side of, of Dad as well in that, you know how in 2.4 there's sometimes they're watching TV and it's obviously one of the actors doing a voiceover. There's, oh, a, few yeah. of these, yeah. it, there's a few of these and I think I've heard Andrew and Julia's voice on the news or on the radio. I just yeah, love that detail. Another thing I've yeah. discovered is um, on the first series, one the art director on series one of Dad was called John Collins. Oh, really? Yes. I'm was it you, John? That was me. I was a two-year-old art director when that dad was on. <laughs> but it's such a common name. You, know? you I mean, did I, very well. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I think there was... Love a, your work. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's the same one who's on Keeping Up Appearances. There was an art director on Keeping Up Appearances as well. It's a very common name. The, the Preston Mayor, when I was a UCI student at, in UCLan in... in uh, Preston was called John Collins oh, and wow. a former Everton player was called John Collins that's my family football team it's a great name although I do love JD though JD's got a very good ring to it JD Thank Collins you. I think we've pretty much said how much we enjoy it how it should be on I really wish something like Forces TV would take it on again or even Britbot to just yeah it'd be great to see it on telly again when it get people watching because it is really really funny and I think if uh, any of the listeners out there have got the the, the pen is go and buy a, yourself a DVD copy of Dad because I, I recommend getting season one and two. It's got loads of extras on it, and uh, yeah, it's just a great show to watch. And it's it's a shame it's a it's a shame obviously it goes to a third season. Yes, as you say earlier, two very solid ones is yeah. is is a good outing. Chris, it's always been a pl- always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, and tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Well, you can find me Chris C. Nichols on Instagram. And yeah, just type in Chris Nichols. You'll find me on Facebook. I'm always sharing food and sitcom stuff and various other bits and bobs. And uh, obviously I've said hello at the start. So I'll be saying goodbye. (laughs) And thank you very much to everyone listening. Um, As I said in last week's show, there will be a mini break to the podcast till we do series eight. However, I am planning some small special episodes with these. So stay tuned. Until then, thank you very much and goodbye. And Hello.